Welcome to the Talk Derby to Be podcast. I'm Blake Fallows. A bit of an exclusive for you today. I know that there's been quite a few people, not just Derby podcasts, but a lot of people in general that have been after George Thorne to talk through his story. An intriguing story for any football fan that a 28-year-old lad um, who's just taking a break from the game because he's been through he's been through so much through injuries and and mentally and as you'll come to as you'll come to hear over the two parts that we're going to do two parts of an hour long that it's not just the injuries the physical injuries that have affected him politics in the game the politics at Derby County have gone a long way to to kind of holding him back so we'll we'll hear that it's an exclusive his first podcast he's ever done uh, luckily enough. I spoke to to Will Hughes, who's a bit of a friend of the podcast, and just asked him, "You won't mind, uh, you won't mind asking George Fawn if he'd be up for doing it, would you?" And yeah, straight away followed me, and and we got it done. So thanks to George for giving us two hours of his time. I think we could have done four hours the way he, the way he spoke. So we'll get to George in just a second. But if you're listening for the first time, um, we have three brilliant sponsors: uh, Elite Football Development, which is a coaching company run by Sheffield United, Ben Osborne, and and a few other. A few other boys who I'm all mates with and they, they sponsor us every week. Uh, SMJ Brady, a construction company in Derby. And Connect Red, who are a telecommunications company who've just opened the, the Vodafone shop in the in the Westfield or into or whatever it's called this week. Um, so go and check all of them out and support them because they allow me to have the time to go and get people like George Thorne. So thanks to all of them. Here's part one. Um, it's an hour long. This goes from where he is at the minute some of the uh, mental mental problems mental health problems that he struggled with of late then his early days at like his local his local team where he grew up and signing for West Brom making his debut at 16 and it goes from that his journey from making his debut at 16 for West Brom all the way to recovering from his first ACL at Derby against Zenit St Petersburg in uh, in pre-season so the first hour goes from the very start of his career we touch on mental health problems and we we finish this this hour when he's done his ACL, his first real injury at Derby County. So part two will be with us next Monday, but here's part one of our exclusive sit-down with former Derby midfielder George Thorne. Welcome, welcome on to Talk Derby to me. How are you at the minute? Obviously, strange times, but how are you? How are you getting on? Good, thank you, mate. Uh, I'm alright. I've got a little, little as two in a week, so she's keeping me occupied during lockdown, uh, which is probably a good thing because it's not not a great deal to do, as you you and everyone else probably knows. But I'm alright, mate. Um, as we just said previously, it can always be worse, can't it? Yeah. Is your podcast debut then? It is. Yeah. Um, as I said, I've had one or two sort of inquiries, but I've never really got around to doing it. Um, and I actually had you highly recommended from Will, so I don't know how much you paid him for that, but I thought, oh, come on, mate, I thought, oh, come on. You know what? He's never said anything nice to my face, so uh, it's, it's nice to hear that he says <laughs> nice things to other people. <laughs> that don't surprise me. <laughs> What is what is life at the minute then? Um, football, are you still involved at all at the minute, or is it, what? What? Um, to be honest, mate, I got in the situation I found myself at the end of last season. I just had to take a step back and reevaluate everything, and my body just took a battering for a long time now. And mentally, it's just I found myself at a level it was just tough for me to accept. So. Um, I just took a step back, mate, because I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, physically, I felt horrendous. Um, and I just wasn't sure if that's really what I wanted to do for a while. So I just took a step back, reevaluated everything, and just spending some time with my family. I've had a few options come in here and there, but nothing really that has turned my head enough to think, all right, I want to graft through all that physical and mental ag again at the minute so maybe that'll come round see what happens in the summer but for now I mean particularly with you know the pandemic and the situation football's in um, it's very difficult to go 
and first of all get a decent enough club that I think I would you know thrive at um, and also within any industry the money's dried up as well so um, you know for me to go and put myself in a situation where physically mentally potentially taking a bit of a hammering again uh, I haven't had the right opportunity through yet for that it's well documented, and we'll probably talk about it later on your, your physical injuries and, and stuff that you've gone through. Have you suffered mentally coping with with having to like time again have to go through the recovery? I, I can imagine um, it's quite mentally draining to to go through it, and then to see yourself kind of play at a, at a certain level, and then you've got to try and fight to keep getting back there. Have you suffered with the the mental side of things? I have, mate. Yeah, I, I won't shy away from it. Towards, I would say. Post breaking my leg, when I got to a situation at Derby where, you know, I was sort of just getting left out uh, by Frank Lampard and even a little bit before that, um, you know, the, the few years after that, knocked me for six really because, um, you know, it was a spiral and it seemed like no matter what I did, I couldn't stop it and also there was a couple of things that weren't in my control that kind of just you know prevented me from changing that so um, you know right towards the end of it I, I probably suffered from depression a little bit just because getting up every day you know initially I was just going in and I was just sort of you know told to just do whatever the under 23s do and um, this was at Derby under Frank and you know I got told to follow their routine considered moving me into the changing room at one point and um, from there mate it was just you know I didn't want to go to League One because I always saw myself as you know a level above that no disrespect to anyone but um you know, I had to bite the bullet at some point and go and play. Um, Luton, I kind of just fell into an unlucky situation because I went there and um, I think 48 hours after I signed, Nathan Jones went to Stoke, um, which is fair enough. It was obviously an opportunity he couldn't turn down, but they was in such good form. I think they, I arrived and there was about 10 unbeaten. Uh, so understandably you, you wait for the opportunity and they went on to sort of go about 30 games and beat them which is unheard of yeah. um, so that that's just something that can happen I end up going to Oxford to play for Carl Robinson um, and uh, I dislocated my shoulder in, in one of my early starts there and it, it was just sort of you know one thing after another Um you know, and I just found myself sort of in a hole towards the end of it. Um, I didn't want to go into training. Uh, it was putting me in a bad mood at home. and uh, I was making life difficult for myself and for my missus and my little one. And that's why I had to step out in the summer and just sort of, <clears throat> just sort of find myself again and just sort of start over. Um, you know, and that's where I'm at now still. Do you think there's enough support because, I mean, you see footballers quite often now, and it's good that people start to talk about things like it's not as much of a like a stigma as it was a few years back, was it, about mental health and stuff? Like, I know Jordan Albert Derby's come out and said how much he's struggling, and yeah. especially when you've not got a club. Do you think there's enough support? Because a lot of players can have everything they've ever wanted, and then it just kind of one day they go, right, you're done, and then not really got... Do you know what I mean? You're back in just yeah. in the world with no football. Do you think there's enough support? Could, could more be done? Um, it's, it's difficult. I, I think the support's out there, um, but I think football's seen as sort of a dog-eat-dog macho industry, and I found that out pretty early. You know, obviously I love the game of football, but from the age of about nineteen, I found out how big politics were in football, and that played a massive part in the rest of my career, which we'll go into, but. Um, for example, Jordan I saw and I remember Jordan is a great lad and um, I'm delighted that he's at a stage now where he's able to get it off his chest somewhat because that's the best thing 
Um, me personally, I tried talking to someone, which helped initially, but ultimately, um, you know, it's about understanding your own situation and the closest people to you can help that. But um, it's a difficult one. I mean, it helps out there, but in any walk of life, look, I understand lads don't want to show what's perceived as a weak side. Um, and sometimes you get back into a corner and, until, you know, you almost explode and um, there's no alternative, which I think is probably what's happened to Jordan. Um, so my thoughts are with him. I did reach out to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one. I do think the support's there, but also I think it's, it's seen as sort of a, you know, a macho doggy dog industry. And sometimes I think lads wait until they really have to, to go for that help. Yeah. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there. Cause I have and do suffer and, and have done for a while. And it's always, it's just the easy option to go. Yeah. I'm sorry, mate. And just kind of dismiss it. Is, it. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. It saves, it saves you having the conversation. It saves, a little bit of embarrassment all sorts come into it but it's the easiest thing to do is just brush under the carpet and keep moving do you know what I mean do you feel like you're getting getting there with it mentally do you think you're improving mentally yeah I think, I think I'm, I'm thankfully I think I'm back to to myself now um, <clears throat> excuse me and I think stepping away from football was the key for me for that um you know, I think everything in my life was so orientated about football. You, you train every day, you come back, you recover. You know, towards the end, I was travelling in the squad, maybe not playing. You know, something like everything. Your whole life orientated around football. The best thing I did at the time was step away from that. And there is so much away from football. Uh, and in the ideal scenario, look, you, you work out the balance between the both. Um, but for me, stepping away and just finding myself as a person again and enjoying other things helped me get back to, to normality, yeah. Well, fingers crossed that uh, it all fits into place that once you get back to something like you get to where you are in and football is just enjoyable for you when you get back to the level where you... We, we all know everyone listening knows the level you should be at. So hopefully you get back to... To that at some point take us right back then to like when you first started what are your first memories of of the game and can you remember like your first your first footballing memories your first team and getting into academy stuff like that um, yeah i remember i was i grew up in bedford um just not far from milton Keynes, and i remember i played for a local team called kempston town um Oh, I must have been six or seven at the time. And I, I played for him for a couple of months. And then um, I got scouted by Cambridge United, who were League Two at the time, I think. Um, so I went along there, had some trials, and uh, I ended up getting into Cambridge. And, um, Cambridge was sort of, it, it was a, a centre of excellence at the time. So this was before sort of academies were around. And, there were some, uh, some brilliant players that come out of there. Um, and it sort of, it was straight in the deep end in terms of like you're a professional now, even at the age of sort of eight. So um, we were doing things that probably frowned upon, but um, we were, we would go away to Denmark, for example, or on a tour during Easter holidays and, with nothing but sort of a sleeping bag and a pair of boots and we had sort of I don't know 40 50 lads and we would sleep on a massive sort of sports hall floor just like 40 lads in the sleeping bags um and it's like you get the coaches coming along and say listen the night's out lights out sorry turn the lights off now I slept obviously you've got 40 50 lads on the floor with sleeping bags so it's like Baltic freezing like <laughs> so they were the sort of trips that you you you, me you remember for like them sort of little reasons. Mm -hmm. I remember when we went to Italy with uh, Cambridge, and I must have been ten or eleven. Uh, I don't know. They plucked it. It was in the tournament with like Juventus and Milan and stuff like this. 
when we got to the uh, semi-final um, and we were playing against Torino, I think it was. Um, so, because they, they tried to um, implement a lot of um, sort of independence on you. So, it was, it was your own responsibility to take your boots, your shin pads and this sort of stuff. And I remember the semi-final, I got to the changing room and I forgot my boots. And I cry my eyes. I was like, no, 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 I ain't got my boots. So instead of someone lending me some boots, I was like, look, you're not in the squad. Because they wanted to highlight how important it was to be independent at that early age. So I had to sit on the sideline in the semi-final, watch the lads play that. Um, so all these little things kind of put you in good stead. And then I remember we had... Um, someone quite hard at Cambridge called Dan Ashworth who eventually went on to work at the FA and um, he's at Brighton now and it was brilliant for me he went to West Brom um, and he phoned from my dad up when I was like 11 or 12 and said look do you want to come up um, so I went up and signed for West Brom and I signed for the age group above because I was quite a big youngster so at that point if you're big like you're towering above everyone it's kind of unfair really um, so I signed the age group above and used to go up there sort of two, three times a week. Uh, and that was, that was brilliant. That was quickly became an academy. Um, but the teams we were playing against were the top boys and um, facilities and all that stuff. So it, it was, you know, it was a great move for me then. Um, what next do I remember? Oh. I was at West Brom for sort of nine years. I remember um, I made my debut when I was 16, I think. So West Brom were in the championship and we were playing Sheffield Wednesday away. This was the season, I think, that uh, we ended up getting promoted. So those sort of the years where West Brom were a yo-yo team up and down and um, we, we played Sheffield Wednesday away and I was, I was thinking I was about 16, 16 and a half, something like that. And then I, I think it was Di Matteo who chucked me on for sort of the last 15 minutes. We were forward up, so it didn't really matter. Um, I think it's probably to tie me down to a contract as well. But at that point, it's like 16 playing first in football, do you know what I mean? So that was a great experience for me. Um, 17 was when I made my first Premier League appearance. I was under Roy Hodgson. Um, he was amazing. I learned so much of Roy. He would, um, I think the reason he struggled at Liverpool was because he was a mastermind at making teams hard to beat. So when he was at Fulham, West Brom, Palace now, they're the teams that you can kind of get the best out of, the ones that aren't expected to win many games, but he won't lose that many. Um, so just training with him every day, I learned so much. Um, and he gave me my Premier League debut when I was 17, uh, away at Newcastle, which was a great experience. Um, and then I think I had to wait for my next one. Um, so I think it came when I was 18. I think I went out, I went out on loan. No, sorry, I'd, I played against Arsenal. So, um, we had Michael Appleton, who's now at Lincoln, uh, was at Portsmouth and Blackburn, and he's had quite a good managerial career. Um, I ended up coming on against Arsenal, and he said, look, as, as he was sending me on, he said, look, you're going to come and play with me. I'm getting a Portsmouth job, essentially. So um, I went and played with him for a few months uh, when they was in the championship, and they, was, they had the embargo going on. Mm. Um, so there's like a point deduction and things were a bit messy with the football club <laughs> so I went and played with him and that was unreal um, you know a lovely part of the country and I was playing championship football week in week out sort of early age of 18 which was brilliant for me um, and then uh, next what happened next I think I ended up going to Peterborough under Darren Ferguson um, still when I was 18 
which was another good move. Um, they had some South Championship, they had some good players, had Lee Tomlin, Sardo Barahino, uh, George Boyd. That was a good team. Um, and it was, again, great experience for me, and we were doing quite well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And that still was like, at that stage, it's proper old school, like you're washing your own kit and mm-hmm. taking it in. Um, you know, we were training at like a school complex on like their field, basically. So it's still proper old school. Um, and I got called back from there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got called back. That was, this was Steve Clark. So I got called back by Steve Clark at West Brom. Um, and he, he, he chucked me in at Old Trafford. So he called me back. Um, didn't say anything to me. I knew I'd be involved because you don't really get called back from a loan otherwise. Um, and then uh, I must have got called back sort of on a Thursday or something and we'd travel on a Friday and they named the team on a Saturday morning, I think, and I was starting, so I was starting against United. Um, so at this time, it's still sort of like Rooney, Van Persie, Everard, Skulls, like Carrick, like Mustard United team. Absolutely got to run around for 90. Um, but I've done quite well, to be fair, because I've always found, weirdly enough, I've always found like the Premier League games easier than the Championship games for mm. someone like myself. Because um, it, it sort of, the emphasis is on keeping the ball a bit more. Mm. I mean, when you lose it, you don't see it for a bit longer. But Somewhere like Old Trafford, the pitch was so big and passing was always one of my strengths. So I've actually found it a little bit more suited to my game, the Premier League. Um, after that game, I, I went on a run of sort of five, six, seven appearances in a row. Uh, and then it was coming at Everton away on a Tuesday night, which I started. And that's when I've done my first ACL, um, which was a bit of a, was a, bit of a weird challenge I sort of stuck between uh, Leon Osman and, and, and Anitra being turned and got pulled one way and so that was my first big injury um, I don't know if I was still 18 or 19 at the time um, but fortunately for me um, Zoltan Gira who was <clears throat> amazing for me at West Brom um, he had done his about two weeks before um, so when during that rehab it was sort of a 10 month rehab I, I was able to just shadow him for the whole rehab and he was amazing um, you know we obviously it was during the off season so we went away to uh, Portugal he, he, rent, he rented a villa for me and him and one of the physios and we went to some sports rehab facility and just grafting you know like three sessions a day like finishing in the sandpit later, not like grafting. But I was just watching him every day. And he was just like the model pro for me. And he was brilliant to be around. Um, so I learned a great deal of him. Uh, still in touch with him, you know, every so often now. Um, so that, that was really my, my young memories up until being introduced finding myself in the first team environment really did you um did you feel this is something i spoke to to will hughes about at 16 <coughs> making a bit, did you feel ready or is it something you don't really think about it at that age because you, you feel a bit indestructible don't you when you're 16 17 but yeah um it was a weird one because at that point i wasn't even training with the first team mm-hmm. i was still training with sort of the under 18s or under 16s on a tuesday night after school do you know what I mean? um, so it, it kind of just bypasses you really quick and at that age you're so naive you just want to get on the pitch and um, you, I don't think you really have a second to think like I'm already um, I think that everyone knows unless you're a well-beater you're going to have a little a few minutes and then you probably won't see first team football again for a while um, but no I really enjoyed it I, I didn't really feel, because I never thought I was going to play. Do you know what I mean? So you always just think that oh, I'm made for the experience. Mm. Even when you put on the bench, it's like, oh, I'm bison to be on the bench. 
and then before you know it, you're playing like the last 10 minutes. So um, I don't think you even have time to sort of think like that, to be honest. Yeah. From from recovering from that ACL then, I know you had a, a, a loan at Watford for a couple of months before you came to Derby. How did the um, how did the Derby move first come about? Um, so towards the end of my rehab with West Brom, I had what Watford Watford had been tailing me for a few months um, towards the back end of my rehab, uh, and Derby were there um, when I was ready to go and play, but they wasn't pushing as hard as Watford were, and, uh, and I was aware Watford had been waiting for me. They'd turned down other lads, and um, I felt like that was an opportunity I wanted to go and do. Um, I knew a couple of the lads there, and um, I think the season before was it the season before they got to the playoff final? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, I thought, um, you know, all things considered, I thought that that would be a really good opportunity for me. Um, I went there and. Um, I wasn't as, as fit as I'd like to have been. And um, I think the team suffered sort of a little hangover from the playoff final and there was a, a little change of personnel. So <clears throat> that went on for a few months. And then they, as what would do, they chopped and changed manager. And uh, I went in under Zola, uh, who was a lovely guy. Um, he used to join in training and absolutely take the piss. <laughs> <laughs> He mate, just like a small guy, like I can't, I don't even know what age he was, but he was joining training, mate. And just like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was coming to an end. Um, and I was, I wanted to reevaluate my options. So this was even before speaking to Derby. Um, so when January started, I made a decision that I'm going to go back to West Brom try and get something else and then Derby was still there I went back to West Brom Derby there very early on in January uh, but West Brom were being funny and saying but you're not going to Derby you've only got 18 months left um, you have to sign this contract before you go out otherwise you're not going so I was like what well, I don't understand what the problem is. I've got 18 months left. I still saw myself as a West Brom player. It wasn't something that I was planning to go to Derby and then leave West Brom. That was never my intention. But the way they went about it and <clears throat> sort of pinned me into a corner, because essentially we, we we got all the way up to the end of January because I didn't want to sign a new contract. Because I was... Sorry, I'll go back shortly. When I was playing in the first team for West Brom, I was negotiating a new contract um, and bear in mind I was sort of <clears throat> 18, 19 and I was playing every week in the Premier League for sort of five weeks um, so the contract <clears throat> excuse me so the contract was actually <clears throat> excuse me the contract was as you can imagine quite impressive for the Premier League team um, <clears throat> Drinks, right, mate. So, you've not got any other symptoms, have you? It's <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Um, so, I was negotiating this contract for a few weeks now, and it wasn't far off. And when I'd done my ACL, me and obviously my agent at the time were just assumed, look, we're just finished negotiations, mm. almost a reward for what I've done and tying me down. <clears throat> so, I was well turned around and they wiped the contract. So they was like, our oh, contract's off the table. So I'm like, what do you mean? They were like, contract's off the table, we'll pick up the negotiations when you get back fit. So like, hold on a minute, like, I'm out for sort of 10 months. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what's going on here? And this is what I'm saying, like, this is the, my very first um, experience with politics in football. Mm. Um, so up until this point, I had no idea shit like this happened, do you know what I mean? I had no idea of more of a business than it is anything else. Um, and my agent at the time obviously got caught up in <clears throat> the money side of it. And, and I didn't know any better. I was 19, 18, 
18, and my agent said, look, look, let's sue them. They can't do that. I was like, right. I was like, you want me to sue sue the club I'm signed up for another three years? <laughs> and, and, and he was like, oh, yeah, but like, you'll, have to, you'll have to pay the court. And I'm like, hold on a minute, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not on fucking decent enough though for that, let alone sue my own football club. So I had this going on. They wiped the contract, which obviously I was raging about because I was like, that's embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? At least you have a bit of good faith yeah. for one of your own academy players that's come through, broke through into the first team. And then my agent was like all over the gaff at the time. I was like, oh, what's going on? So I ended up, I've been that agent, got back to the position we're in now in January with Derby. And I said, so because I didn't sign, I got to the point where I've got 18 months left. So they were saying, look, you're not going anywhere unless you sign this. And in my head, I was always conscious that they fucked me over with a contract when I'd done my knee. So I was like, I'm not signing that contract. And in the end, it got to, literally, I think it was like a day before last day. And my new agent at the time was like, there's nothing we can do. I've got you by the balls. And um, again, this is like fucking hello politics. I was like, I'm going to have to sign it. Because I wanted, I wasn't prepared to sit until January to the summer not playing football anymore. Because I'd just got back from my ACL. I wanted to get my name back out there um, after doing all right as a youngster and so I went to sign a contract and I was just like, get me to Derby. Um, and I think I signed sort of three years. And obviously, as you can expect, it was nowhere near the term. So I was initially negotiating when I was playing. Um, so it left a right sour taste in my mouth about West Brom. Um, <clears throat> went to Derby um, under Steve and... Um, Funnily enough, I remember the first sort of six, eight weeks. I couldn't, I couldn't get a game. I couldn't get a minute. I used to was doing so well. The lads were doing really well. So I went there and the lads were in third. <clears throat> so again, I understood that wait, wait for your opportunity. But I thought I'd fucking get a minute in the first two months. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what? Okay. We... Uh... Wait, I asked, sorry, I asked, I asked for questions and I did have a text off Wardy saying, ask him when the dummy came out when he didn't play for two months when he first got here. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so I remember the weekend I signed. So I signed on a Friday, I think. And um, <clears throat> I, think, I think the lads had the weekend off. So I think the lads had Saturday, Sunday off and we're back in Monday. So I signed on the Friday. Um, and I think I knew they had the weekend off the like, uh, store or the player liaison officer must have told me or whatever it was at the time so I text like my mates and was like yeah I just signed like, I've got weekend off let's fucking get, get on it this weekend or something like that let's go out so after training everyone's like when you have a weekend off mate you've never seen lads shower so quick do you know what I mean you're fucking out of there <laughs> some lads probably don't even shower mate just fucking <laughs> trying to try their gear on um, and then so everyone was like getting really sharp and then uh, Simo come in Paul Simpson had come in and whenever Simo comes in like before a day off it's like what are you up to mate do you know what I mean and he started walking over to me and was like oh, uh, Gaffer wants you in with the 23s this weekend so I was like, like nah, Shima. So I've, I've been there literally one session. So I've gone, Gaff wants you, McLaren wants you with a 23 this week and get up to speed. It's like, nah, Shima, I'm not doing that, mate. It's like, <laughs> I swear, I swear, lads have only just met me. So I was like, I was like Shima, I'm not doing that, mate. He's like, he was obviously just baffled. And he was like, oh, um, what do you mean? I was like, I ain't fucking this weekend off him. I'm not fucking coming in with a 23s, mate. Um, and he's like, okay, uh, I'll go speak to Gaffer. <laughs> Come back two minutes later. I thought, oh, Gaffer said, all right, see you Monday. <laughs> I remember later on, like later on in my Derby career, Keezy and Granty called me and was like, mate, literally after that, we thought you were belter. <laughs> 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 and I was like, 
understandable, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what would he actually say? He went, there? like, you said he's a good lad, too. He'll, he'll take it in good singing. He said, you said, just mention when the dummy come out. <laughs> so that was a very fast one. And then I plugged away and then got off, got to like three, four weeks. And that's what do it well. So I was like, look, it's what it is. Went and playing. And I remember Steve pulled me in and was like, look, we should get you some minutes in this reserve game. So back then it was reserves. It wasn't under 23, so it was reserves. I was like, nah. I was like, nah. I said, I could fucking do that at West Brom, mate. I ain't come here to play Rezies. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this went on for like two, three weeks. So they left me alone for like sort of two weeks. Come to me again, was like, oh, look. He would always send Simo when he didn't want to speak to me. And they'd be like, Simo would be like, what they ended up trying to do, they'd try and put a couple of lads in there to sort of like make it as if it wasn't so blatant that I needed minutes. And I just kept refusing. I was like, nah, I'm not fucking, I didn't come in to play reserves. Do you know what I mean? All along, lads are still winning games. Houston's fucking doing really well. I had no right to play. But I was like, I was so fed up, mate. I was like, I fucking could have done this at West Brom. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, got to a stage where like I started going banging on, on Steve's door on, on Steve McLaren's door so I waited until we had a shit result I can't remember what happened we had a shit result I went and banged the door so right you're going to fucking play me that what and he just kept coming out of excuses or he'd be like yeah yeah I'm like I'm thinking about it like we'll see what happens and then he wouldn't play me so I'd go and bang his door Monday morning like, you fucking winding me up. What am I here for? Do you know what I mean? And this went on and on until Eustie got suspended and he had no choice but to play me against Forrest. So that's probably what Ward is on about. I was losing me, uh, dragging a little bit. Do you know, I can remember that because, like you say, Eustie was having a, a brilliant run inside, obviously a great time for the team that were up there. And then I remember because we'd not stopped fans hadn't seen you, there was a little bit of a, oh, fuck, like, fucking hell. Uses injured and it's fight the forest game and but then you you come in and have an absolute stormer and like what a debut yeah, yeah it's a weird one because um obviously up until that point I'd have been seen as one of the starting eleven mm. and then that week um I think any other game there probably would have been more highlight on the fact that I was now coming in to play because it was Forest. Obviously, as you know, all the guests spoke about is a rivalry. So obviously, I found out that week about the rivalry leading up to it. Obviously, of course, people say things like the stuff and stuff, and uh, I wasn't really bothered at the time. I was more sort of focused on like putting a marker down so that Steve couldn't drop me. Um. So. Obviously, it was a massive game, but previously in my career, I'd been able to play in big games. So I wasn't, it wasn't like a daunting game for me. It was more of I, I put some pressure on myself to make myself undroppable for the following games. Um, and obviously, you know, that that day goes down in history. Um, Bryce's spawny trick and everything kind of went our way that day. Um, but it was a great debut, yeah. Yeah. And you're uh, and one of the the highlights of it. So your ball into um, to Bamford, which I'll always remember, like for, to win the penalty for for Bryce. That's so to be fair, Bryce has yeah. got you really, hasn't he, for the hat trick? He has, mate. Yeah, but he never will. He's also got Chrissy Martin to thank for his new five year deal that he signed that summer. <laughs> but I'm sure Chrissy never got thanked either. Yeah, he nah, still every, does. Everything kind of went our way that day. Yeah, it just all kind of clicked in. I, I remember in the build up to that, even the few weeks before that. We were about the this that side were about to tonk somebody and it just felt that it was it was Forest that day. What was it about that that team? Um it just clicked because he played some that's some of the best football I've seen done <clears throat> in my lifetime. So what kind of was it about that side? Um first and foremost that, that forest team was pony. That's why they got spent five nil. They were pony, mate. It's one of the worst forest teams I've seen. Um that team we had towards the end of that season was I said before I think because it was such a young team filled with talent I think there was almost a little bit of naivety 
about us that kind of made us fearless. Um, and obviously Steve had drummed um, this philosophy into us where we were just partial of the park, no matter who you are. Um, and we would rotate and play out from the back. And it's weird because I remember, and I still have the conversations with a couple of lads now, like we would, we would concede in some games and no one would care. Like no one would give a fuck because I remember Watford, for example, Watford, we went one nil down. Like I think Beanie bagged after like 10 minutes. No one was bothered, mate. It was like, oh, well, we're going to score more than you. So it's just a line the inevitable. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's just kind of the mentality we had. Um, we must have been horrible to play against because you just got all these little whippets just playing one, two touch football. And it was really fun to play. It was really fun, especially the role I played. Because I just used to give the ball to all these kids, mate, and just let them loose. Do you know what I mean? We had Will, Jeff, Bryce, uh, whichever day of the week it was, them three occupying them two. And JR, Chrissy, Wardy, Dorks. We had obviously come in. We had options everywhere, options off the bench. Um, and it was just kind of a naivety to us, which just made us go and like steamroll the league that last sort of three months. Yeah, uh, Johnny Russell actually came on and he said that he was turning up to games at that time and not thinking, "Are we going to win today?" It was like, "How many are we going to get today?" Like, it was literally, that. mate. It was. It's, it's hard to describe, but we in that moment it was like we don't care who you're playing. It's just like, why? Right, how many? Do you know what I mean? So, that, that should that side have gone up? Yeah. To this day, I still believe that's the best Derby County team I've seen since that like, I've played in and haven't played in. The way we was playing, the momentum we had, the players we had, the coach should have gone up yet and I believe we would have even following that playoff year if it wasn't for you know a few things we can get into later well yeah we'll talk yeah we will do that um, a bit later on but before like we obviously play like robbery at Wembley but before that obviously like we've like, just been discussing um, just rolling teams over that, that second leg against Brighton Again, one of the best performances I've seen from a home performance from a Derby side. So, just bossed it really, didn't they? And, and topped off with a. Well, you don't really yeah. score. You score tappings, do you? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> another thorny special. What? What a finish! Yeah, I mean, I remember we went down there the first leg, and a fucking tough game. One of the toughest games. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Derby County. We got we got peppered for like ninety minutes. Fozzie's done some unbelievable run, plucked a penalty out somewhere. It's obviously Chrissy scored. And then Chrissy's somehow flew one off the back of the keeper's head or something, wasn't it? It's was like yeah. hit the it bar and then it keeps it. Yeah. Um and I think Granny had the game of his life, didn't he? Yeah. Um that was so to come away two one from that was like a right touch. Mm. Like we got peppered there. And I think that was the first time Probably a good thing it happened because up until that point it was too easy for us in that league. So we probably went into that game thinking, yeah, we can rock up and play our own style here. So after that game, when we go to the second leg, we knew like oh, we had to go into second gear. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was it was obviously a tough day for them when it hugely scored that goal, which one of the maddest goals I've ever seen live. Does he mean um, it? Yeah, yeah, he meant that. Uh-huh. See, I and always I, ban- on the, on this podcast, I banter him all the time about fluking that goal against the uh, Brighton. So, a bit of an in joke. <laughs> yeah, we'll never do it again. But I'll, he meant that. Yeah, I'll give it to him. Well, he's a tough um, tackling midfielder now, mate. He's not a flair player anymore, is he? So, <laughs> I have to put him up about that the other week. <laughs> I've got to change his Wikipedia, mate. <laughs> um, but no, it, that game 
biggest marker we did all year with that game. Because they were a top team. Do you know what I mean? They went on the next few years to progress, progress, eventually get promoted. And we battered them that day. We battered them like all over the park. Um, and I think look, even the goal to score in the game was, game was over by that point. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that was... That's one of my highlights still of my Derby career, that, that game. Yeah. And a few weeks later, Wembley and, and QPR. I've mentioned this story a few times, but it's probably the only game I've ever been to where I've walked out the ground and the, the fans that have won have clapped his arcs. I think even they felt a bit bad because it was yeah. just being a robbery, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just one of the mad things about football. Um I remember like, I bumped into a couple of their lads, the QPR lads, a while after, and they were like, I don't know, I probably won that game. Do you know what I mean? Like, but we, um, I don't know, mate. I'll never be able to put my finger on what happened. Obviously, Zamora is absolutely put in the top bins. Like, he could probably do that 10 times again, do it once. Do you know what I mean? On the half volley as well, because it's cypher, it's just like, it's unheard of. But, um, it was the most one-sided. The first half of the first half of the first half was fairly even. Um, you know, it was quite cagey. And then I think towards the end of the first half, we started to take control. Second half, I think we was dominant. And then after the sending off, it was attack v defence. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then look, whatever happened, happened. That's why we love and hate football, do you know what I mean? Things like that happen. But um, it was just, it was an unbelievable experience that we should, we should have gone up, yeah, 100%. What was the changing room like after? Is it, is it a better, is it, well, it's a new experience for you as a youngster on, on learning, but is it like anything you've experienced before or since? Hey, it, it was, no, it was weird, mate. It's like full time when, and then, I'm looking around and some of the lads were crying. Lads were devo, do you know what I mean? And I almost, I felt quite emotional as well. Because it's like, we'd built up such a, such momentum, such like a bond together, just battering teams for the last like six months. And then it just finished like that, do you know what I mean? Got in the dressing room and it was just quiet as a mouse. And I, I just I didn't feel like a lone player. I felt like one of the lads. I just felt devastated, mate. Like, no, I don't. I can't remember who said anything. I don't think anyone said anything. Steve just said the one or two words, and then we got out of there and had to go back to the fucking stadium, mate, and do some stupid pie. <laughs> Honestly, Will might have told you about it before, but. They arranged some like celebration or whatever. All the like, if you win the player final, you just want to go into London, mate, and just have it off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Getting punched in Judy, Covent Garden, just have it off. And they arranged some stupid fucking gathering back at the stadium in one of the lounges. Last thing lads want to do. We just lost, mate. Well, either we way, either, either way, you don't want to be there, do you? If you win, you don't oh, want to be there. Come on, either way. We just got back on the bus. You can just imagine, mate, it was quiet as I remember my agent around me on the bus and he was like I said, Oh, you done really well, alright. He was like, What do you want to do? He's like he said to me, Look, you've done enough. I said he's like, Whatever you want to do this summer I can make happen because of what you've showcased like towards the end of the season. I just said, Look just just get me here next summer. I said, just get me here permanently, mate. And he was like, all right, leave it with me. And then that was it. Went back to fucking iPro for a stupid party. <laughs> we actually, we actually ended up, um, we ended up wandering into um, Revs, I think, that night in Derby. All just suited out, mate. Just got steaming for fuck it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I remember we did. Oh wow! But it's not like it was a. It's not like you were 
you can get away with stuff like not get away with, but no one's gonna want that against you because you you played well in. Uh, and yeah. It's not like you had a no. shit in us far. No, we had the whole season. I think everyone appreciated what Derby County had become and the performances we were doing and the level the team had got to. That you know, no one would have turned enough bad an eyelid at the lads going the fucking revolution up in the Jager bomb drum in. <laughs> and the uh, so you signed on the 18th of, of July pre-season. On the 22nd, um, you do your ACL again against uh, Zenit. Um, away. I remember watching it on a dodgy stream in a pub in Derby and mm. being with Derby fans and that, the excitement of... Because there was a real buzz about you at the time of like, you'd really yeah. impressed. We'd got you on a permanent because it was question marks. Obviously, you said you want to come and everything, but we didn't know that as fans. We just, uh, we didn't know whether we were going to get you or not. We'd signed you and then you go down against Senate. Is that the first? Because obviously you've done your ACL a bit a bit younger. Was that the first one where you like it's a? Um, do you know what I mean? If it makes sense. Yeah, I'll take you to that summer because I've got some good stories about that summer. So I, I've done that. Obviously, we finished the playoff final. Major was like, look, go on holiday. Um, I come back from holiday and I was like, must have been three weeks till I was due to report back in with West Brom. And the Premier League always comes back a week after the championship. So the the Derby lads were back in on like twenty eighth of June or something like that. And obviously I was sitting in like a group chat. And uh, like when they got back in, I thought like sending photos on the fucking beach and I was like, lucky lads, I'm still off for a week, do you know what I mean? And West Brom West Brom's notoriously one of the most difficult clubs to negotiate with. Always has been, still is to this day. My agent made it clear to West Brom, like, look, George wants to go. No, like, no, he's not going anywhere. Like, he's playing for us this year. So my agent set me up an interview with Henry Winner, who's um, highly regarded sort of in the uh, <clears throat> media world. Um, no, sorry, it wasn't Henry Winter, it was someone else. I think it was a lad called Tom. Um, and essentially... The interviews, what the interview was meant to do was to make it sort of impossible for me to stay at West Brom. Yeah. So he essentially told me what to say. Um, he said, look, say it in your own words. And then after I'd answered the questions, they then added and tweaked it here and there. So the interview come out and I was essentially hammering West Brom. Bearing in mind, I'm still a West Brom player for like another two and a half years. And I was saying, look, there's not much difference between Derby and West Brom. I'm playing every week at Derby. Like, I'm one of the main men at the minute. I'm not going back there to sit on the fucking bench. Do you know what I mean? No chance. So make the decision. Either I'm, I play or... So I literally done this interview and I remember I woke up one morning it must have been published, published whilst I was just summing, like published at like 7am or something. I woke up and I must have checked my Twitter at like at nine and I was getting absolutely battered like from West Brom fans. Like, oh, who the fuck's he think he is? Like fucking get rid of him big time, this and that. And I just had to put my phone on. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I didn't, like, I was getting pelters from everywhere, mate. <laughs> um, but essentially it had done the job so it created it created a division already between me and West Brom mm. that Derby could jump on um, so we'd done that and then my agent was speaking to Sam Rush and was like listen just put a bid in do you know what I mean just open the bid like just put a respectful bid in open the bid and at least then negotiations have started and once they started like we'll get them done so Rushy put in like fucking most embarrassing bitch you've ever seen, mate. <laughs> Honestly. So I just like, I just ran the player final for Derby and he put in like fucking 900 grand or something like that. It's like, Rushy, honestly, mate, like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? So obviously West Brom just swapped that away and we're like, no. Um, I had to start going into West Brom pre-season training 
and Rashi was fucking around. He was taking ages. I was like, me Asian every day. Anything new? Anything? It's like, no, I'm trying to get another bid in, trying to get another bid in. And he kept doing like a week between each bid. So in between, after the first bid, Megan was like, look, just keep fucking making it impossible for us to keep you there. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, kick balls away in training. Kick balls away. So I'm like, I'm training with a first team, obviously. All these lads that I respect, I've come through the academy, like watching all these lads in the first team, like Chris Bryant, James Morrison, all these boys. I'm like training, I'm like, I'm booting balls away in the warm up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, that's so not me either. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. I felt nervous as fuck doing it. But I was like, fucking hell, I'll have to do this. <laughs> so I boot it away. Well, I think the lads started to switch on. They're like, I was trying to get out. That didn't work. So then Rushy put, Rushy ended up putting another bid in, which was like 1.1 or 1.2 which still wasn't going to work. Um, so West Brom were like, nah. Um, so my agent was like, all right, fuck this. Let's write a transfer request. So I made no banter. Over the space of two weeks, I must have handed in about 14, 15 transfer requests. <laughs> oh, God. I swear to God, mate. So he'd be on the phone. He'd be like, all right, today you're going to do three. Address one to the manager, one to the chairman, one to the chief exec. Next day, like, yeah, today doing four. And I remember there was one. Basically, what I'd do is, because I was still bricking it, I'd go in, I'd give it to a receptionist and go, yeah, give that to the manager you see him. <laughs> so, I didn't have, so I didn't have to see him. And I remember there was a day off and we were still at a standstill. So the, my agent was like, write four out for me. Chairman, manager, chief exec, and someone else it was. So I went in. To the training on day off, I'm thinking no one's going to be there. Drop it and run. I go to reception style. He gives some answers. She goes, "Oh, he's in that office." I turn around. In the office is the chairman, the manager, the chief exec, and my old agent that tried to get me to sue the club and that I'd fucked off. Who was raging at me as well? So I had to, I've gone knocked on the door. I've like, fucking shit myself a lot. Oh, there's one for each of you. Dropped him and run, mate, like fucking shit myself. So in the end, West Brom were going to America for pre-season tour, sort of like the 10th of January. Um, and uh, West Brom were asking for like 5 million, I think, at this point. Wow. So it was a standstill, yeah. And I was like... I remember speaking to Russia, I was like, Russia, you have to get this done, mate, before they go to America, because if I go to the States, it's fucked. Um, and then I remember West Brom put up the squad that were travelling, and I wasn't in the squad. So I was like, oh, all right, okay, then this is going to get done then. Do you know what mm. I mean? They're obviously leaving me here for a reason. Um, and I remember it was a Friday night, Friday evening, Neil Sullivan, the head physio at Derby, rang me and was like, oh, um, look, it's all agreed. I've been told to come and do a medical on you tonight. I think Derby in the end paid sort of like two million up front and I think it was rising to like seven if I was to meet, if we were to get promoted and I was to play like X amount of Premier League games, all that stuff. Um, I went and done the medical with Sally at some random I wasn't even a medical mate it was like hello and I'll see you again so, yeah. <laughs> um, that's so that, that was on a Friday the lads were playing Saturday morning against someone pre-season friendly so I went and watched um, I think it got announced Saturday morning then we flew out Sunday afternoon I think um, and yeah we uh, we ended up playing Zenit and it was a weird one because it was like pre-season notoriously lads like just don't take any risks so you anything you could have a bit of tightness you could last pre-season fuck this do you know what I mean I'm not risking it and I remember I got a, I got a dead quad against Zenith somehow pitch was like a fucking cow field mate it was a shocker mm-hmm. so I got a dead quad and basically essentially what happens is your muscle dies so you lose stability and I Five minutes later, I jarred my knee. So that was a bit weird. Played on for like 10, 15 minutes. 
and then I was like, do you know what? It's pre-season, fairly old. Like, Fuck this, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, I'm not playing in a cow field against any like, I'm not risking it. So I went in, felt fine. Woke up the next morning, had a little bit of swelling. The physio was like, well, I was going to get scanned. Just so we know what we're dealing with. Um, went for some scan in the middle of Austria. Geezer rang us afterwards, like, oh, you've got a partial tear in your ACL. Well, but it's big enough that you, you need an ACL surgery. I've devoted my life in tears in my hotel room because I was like, literally, after that summer, after everything, I've now got to go do another ACL rehab. Um, <clears throat> I remember flying back within like 48 hours, I'd done my surgery. Um, so that was a blow, yeah, that was a big blow, that one.